solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today. Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists and the things that we do, the things that we have come up in our field, the ways that we want to spread our messages. And if you're not a therapist, welcome and listen to it from the angle of our intended audience being therapists. Katie is laughing at me because <laughs> she said that this is an episode where we're not supposed to sound defensive. <laughs> oh dear. We're, we're already off track. Thanks, Kurt. <laughs> No, I think this is an episode where we have to be completely transparent. Like this is this is an episode that we need to do. And I think that there's positive and wonderful things that we need to talk about. And there's some stuff that we might have some feels about to use the language of the young folks today. <laughs> I don't know who you think is the young folks today. Fine, <laughs> fine. Just let's move forward. All right. <laughs> we have a lot of new listeners here over the last few months and we want to thank you for joining us each week and it's been a while since katie and i have clarified a, a lot of things about our podcast this is maybe an opportunity for some of our new listeners to get to know us in a little bit different way and for our longtime listeners to maybe be able to have a little bit better understanding of what katie and my process is and the working title of this episode is So You Want to Be a Content Creator. <laughs> this is really less of a how-to episode and more of a here's the things that have come up in our process that helps us to define how we largely go about things. Now, a lot of our listeners who have joined us recently found us through our DSM-5 episodes, some of our continuing education content. And what we want to do in this episode is kind of talk about what some of the things are that have come up for us as content creators here over the last few months and how we made some of the decisions that we've made and kind of some of the principles that we do in making our product, something that hopefully all of you enjoy. Starting with the principles, I think when we first started, and this was way back in 2017, I, I think the idea was 
let's put together a podcast that has conversations that don't typically happen, at least not in public spaces. A lot of therapists, I think, have some of these conversations in the background, but it's not something that is happening in grad school. It's not something that's happening in supervision frequently. And it's kind of the realities, the survival guide tactics of how do we actually navigate this career. And what we found over the years is that the additional piece is like, yeah, we can talk about how to navigate the career, but at some point, Point, we become complicit in a broken system. And so we, we've been talking about how to balance, how do we give the tools to navigate what is, and then also give the, the empowerment and or the validation that advocacy needs to happen and that each of us can step up in our own ways, whether it's in how we practice individually in our offices or what we say to our legislators or, or those kinds of things. Like, how can we advocate true change for our profession? You know, whether it's equity, whether it's pay, whether it's decolonizing our practices, all of the things that we've wanted to make sure that stay in the forefront, we recognize that it's it's a hard way to balance because if we completely destroy mental health right now because it's not working, then there's no mental health. But if we complicitly and complacently stand by and continue to reinforce how it's being done, then we're not making any progress. And so we're trying to walk that line to be able to say, hey, <laughs> this is what the, the profession is. This is how you can navigate it. And this is what we see as a potential future. And let's give you the tools to be able to help us all come together as modern therapists to push towards that new future. A lot of what our conversations on the back end have been here over the last month or so has been about a lot of the response that we've had hearing from some of our audience members directly following some of the online interpretations and reactions to our DSM-5 update episode where we had Dr. Michael B. First as the APA co-author of the DSM-5-TR. And our background conversations between Katie and I have been, why did we make the decisions that we made with this particular episode? And how does this fit within a lot of what Katie was just describing as our principles here? And Katie and I have been long involved in a lot of advocacy work and know that some of the reactions that we've seen, the immediate petitions to change the autism diagnostic criteria based on the information that was presented in that episode, to prevent the DSM-5-TR from having those very changes made. And Katie and my work in advocacy, we knew that that kind of an effort is mistimed because those books were already published and sitting in warehouses all around yeah. the world at that point. That understanding some of the advocacy process is very much an important piece of this that you hear us in a number of our episodes across time talking about advocacy. I don't know that the emphasis on how freaking long things take. <laughs> so long, so long. Is something that people tend to forget. And there's oftentimes this very reactionary in the moment sort of things that happens that people lose their enthusiasm because then there's a next in the moment sort of thing happens. And this is why our principles are so important to us is because 
it helps us in deciding not only what we address, but how and importantly, when we address them. And if you want to hear an in-depth kind of discussion about it, we'll link in our show notes over at MTSG Podcast about our efforts several years ago to get a mental health professionals organization to make a statement on paying pre-licensed therapists a living wage. This is a long-term process sort of thing. And I think that this starts to speak into some of the criticisms that we've been hearing about the DSM-5 episode from some of our audience here. The other element that I think is important is being able to go into conversations with reasonable expectations of what's going to happen in the conversation. And so there's the timing of the advocacy, but there's also getting a full picture of what the actual situation is. And I know for me in interviewing Dr. First, I was expecting a lot more pushback on the questions we actually asked around inclusion, around discussions with folks with lived experience, around the the limitations of the diagnoses. And the fact that he was willing to engage in those made me very excited. Now, as we had the conversation, there were a few different things that I was trying to pay attention to. And this is, I guess this goes into kind of editing choices as well as kind of the advocacy element of it. I wanted him on record about kind of what his perspective was, what his process was, those kinds of things. And I know that there was some language that he used. It was pretty cringy. There was a lot of outdated language. There was a little bit of editing to try to to soften that for our audience as kind of a protective measure for our audience. But we couldn't edit out the cringiness of this individual. My concern, and, and this is something I've grappled with, and I, I maybe maybe we would do it differently if we interviewed him again tomorrow. But I wanted to hear all of the pieces. I wanted it all on record. And so there were things that he said that I might have called him out on in person, but recognized that was potentially risking getting the next question answered and the next question answered. It potentially risked the interview not happening, him not being recorded and on record with the things that he ended up saying. And to me, I felt like there was this really push-pull on how do we protect our audience and how do we move forward with the advocacy that needs to happen around this outdated medical model book that we all have to use. Therapy Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth, up to 15 clients in a group session at a time, and secure messaging features. And with their 24-7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you. Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I think to that point, this is... Our protection of our audience is within the scope of Katie and my principles. Mm-hmm. And I hope that our principles align with a lot of yours, but you know, being very clear to what Katie said earlier, we are about advancing our profession. We are about better pay. We're about better education. 
And we incorporate a lot of social justice work within that. And it's very informed by a lot of social justice work. To peel back the curtains a little bit on our process, we do edit our podcasts. We aren't as clear as what our finished product is. We <laughs> Clearly edit, not. <laughs> we edit out ums and coughs, and we allow our guests to be able to say, hey, I didn't say that correctly. Would you edit that back? Let me restate this in another way. And because we develop relationships with a lot of people who come on this podcast, we're very accommodating of that. And in this particular recording, part of what we consider is, is it important to advocate in this particular moment on something that's informative of our principles and potentially lose the entire interview in the first place? Then it becomes Katie and me pissing off one person and not having a podcast, whereas the thousands of people who have downloaded, listened to, reacted to, made their own commentary on what was said is much more important within the advocacy process than us calling out one particular person at one time. Yeah. We feel that it's a lot more important to be able to hear, again, the very outdated and uh, potentially harmful ideas of people who are in positions of power much more so than being able to correct them in a moment-by-moment -moment basis. And this is part of seeing advocacy as a much bigger unfolding process. And I think that a lot of the commentary that we've seen have separated Katie and me from the comments by Dr. Michael first. But I see that people are also, you know, kind of holding us accountable on this too. And it's a very much a stylistic decision. Just because we didn't push back on it doesn't mean that we agree with it. In fact, hopefully this gives a lot more emphasis to our calls to action that will be coming over the next few months and several years as it leads up to whatever the DSM-6 comes out of better being able to advocate for who's on these committees and how their processes are. Because this is information that had that episode just been, here's the straightforward updates of what's happening. I don't think that would have ever shown up to the light of day. Sure. And I think the, the, the additional piece, I guess there's more than one piece, but the additional piece to that is I wanted to get to how do people impact this process? And we have him on record talking about that process and how people can take stances and give feedback and all of those things. And I also was able to say to him like, hey, yeah, reach out to these lived experience and diagnostic communities to get feedback, like proactively seek it out. And he said, oh, well, we kind of do that. Actually, that's a good idea. So it's Maybe it's small, but it's still there's things on record that can be used by folks who are advocating with the APA that who are advocating around some of these changes where it's like, hey, the guy who is running this committee said it was a good idea or said this was their process. Here is why this process isn't happening. We need to address it. I mean, I think it's just it's creating a body of evidence. But I, but I do want to go back to kind of our audience and the and the harmful language and I want to take that in. I really want to think about that because to me, I I recognize that there are, are spots 
bias, different things that frame what I think is going to be harmful and not harmful. And I, I, and I know we talked about this, Kurt, that like the two of us had a larger goal with that, that interview. And so I don't want us to lose sight that there were folks who are, were harmed by some of the language that Dr. First used. And I'm not sure how to specifically address it. I mean, maybe we put content warnings on, on things, you know, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure how to do that. I, I mean, I don't know what, what additional thoughts you've had around it, Kurt, but I, I just, for me, I feel like there are two things that are happening and, and I think we may lean more towards like the let's get stuff done. Let's not worry about the small things in the moment with the larger picture. But for some of the folks that are responding, it didn't feel small and it wasn't small to them and it was harmful to them. And and I I don't know how to, I, I'm just to be honest, I don't know how to to resolve that given our advocacy efforts and the, the desire to get someone with that level of power over the next iteration of both the ICD and the DSM on record. And so I'm not sure where to go with that. It's been my experience in advocacy that large systems end up ignoring those individual voices. Those individual voices are incredibly powerful when they're used in the right place in the right time. And it's kind of looking at where our experience is, where our tools really are effective in being able to affect these larger systems. That when Katie and I have been in congressional offices, when we've been talking to legislators, when we've been talking to professional organizations, those voices, when they're expressed at the right time are incredibly impactful for humanizing what is happening. Working in the macro systems doesn't negate that the micro systems are happening, but for systemic change to happen, we have to address the macro systems in the ways that the macro systems have shown that they can be changed. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's, it goes back to our principles around recognizing that we have to work within, if we want to be therapists right now, we, we must work at least, you know, sufficiently within the system that's created while also trying to disrupt it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's a hard line to walk. I know we're never, we're never going to say we can always do it right. You know, like we're going to have times when we, we misjudge or miss, mistitle. And I think that, that we, you know, when folks have called us out, when we've missed us in the past, we oftentimes do come back and have deeper conversations. And so please keep holding us to account for the things that are happening in the, in the micro system, so to speak, but recognize that, you know, that there are times when we may disagree based on the goals we have in the macro system. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And I think that this also speaks to what we notice as content creators is some of the accountability that people feel like they're holding us to are things that we actually already do. It's just that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Now, in the aftermath of the DSM-5 episode, one of the comments that I keep coming back to is one from a deleted, now deleted user on Reddit. The comment says, the interview starts talking about autism around minute 13. It's not an accessible interview and in that it has no transcript or subtitles. So fuck them for that too. And then in this post, several people posted links to the episode where the transcripts already existed in the first place. Yep. And one of the things that if you're considering going into content creation, 
helping you essentially avoid some obstacles in these kinds of things and being clear about your principles really does help in that we've been making things accessible for quite a while. And we haven't always, but it does, there's a cost involved and we're doing this for free for the most part. You know, we've, we've been able to start getting sponsors at different points, but we're not making a whole bunch of money where we can have fancy solutions. And so we've, we took this feedback that people couldn't find the transcripts. And so we've, we've added a little solution. So they're easier to find now, but we are both two therapists. We both have our own practices. We do some consulting, but like, this is not our full-time job. And so we're, we're trying, I guess maybe this is where I'm sounding defensive. I'm not trying to, but like, we're doing the best that we can. But I think to me, when I hear this, I, I, I see something where we're trying to make a difference. You know, we're, we're trying to do some stuff to, to bring some things to light, to move things forward. And we're not going to always get it right. But we are a way easier target to get mad at than the large system. So don't wait, like, don't waste your, your energy on calling us out for stuff like not having transcripts. Cause we actually do like use that energy towards the actual change you want, not on two random podcasters. <laughs> oh, and we we got several comments in the first week after directing, you know, emphasis towards are we going to have follow up episodes about the changes in the DSM? We will. It takes some yeah. turnaround time for us, especially on something that that book wasn't even available for three weeks after the yeah. podcast aired, which was nearly a month after we made the interview. To Katie's point of we're two podcasters. If you want us to be able to do more, here's our pitch to join our <laughs> Patreon and make it to where we can have a full-time job doing this kind of stuff. But in the meantime, our turnaround and response times is sometimes very much around what we're capable of doing around our regular day-to-day -day practices and families and all of that kind of stuff. In the past, we've been sometimes able to turn things around literally overnight. That's not something that can necessarily be relied upon in this particular space for us. And until you join our Patreon and get all of the <laughs> wonderful things, it's something where we absolutely do do our best. It's that we're in a slow moving profession too. Nothing about, you know, really anything is going to be best addressed by a podcast on something that needs to happen in an extremely timely manner. Sure. And, and I think to, to expand out kind of what we're doing as our follow on to the DSM five updates is that we've been reaching out to folks in the autistic community, in uh, the grief community, in the trans and gender nonconforming community, and, and as well as people in the trauma community to be able to have in-depth conversations with folks with lived experience around, for example, with the autistic community, we want someone that can talk with us about the diagnosis stuff that's going on in the DSM-5-TR, but also self-diagnosis and, and those types of things. So we can really have a conversation with someone that's living it versus us saying like, yeah, we disagree, you know, or, or we agree with this part, but not that part. I mean, like we have our own opinions and we'll share them, but we don't want to be the only voices speaking to this. And it takes time to be able to identify the, the, the people or, or persons, uh, the person or persons, the people or people. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, to, to get, to find the right, the right folks, 
folks to be able to have the the real conversation that we need to have. As we've continued forward and our audience has grown, we've found it even more important not to just say like, hey, our friend so-and-so is in this community, let's reach out to them, but actually saying like, who is the person that is making the most noise, that has the, the biggest audience who can actually make a difference in this space? Let's amplify that voice on the podcast in whatever way that we can. And so we're, we're still learning, we're still growing and we don't, we can't, we're, people are not popping on the podcast immediately. <laughs> like everybody's got schedule issues and, and we're, we're wanting to have a great conversation versus a fast conversation. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. And, you know, this is hopefully where some of the people that we are reaching out to at this point will be able to build and combine our efforts of this community and theirs yes. to elevate some of this stuff. And hopefully as we get those things organized and recorded in the upcoming months that you'll be able to see that. So here's also your reminder to subscribe <laughs> and not miss any of our content. <laughs> One of the other things within this process, though, is also the way that people have anchored on to very slight aspects of the content that we put out, whether it's a, a specific comment within a larger, longer format, whether it's wanting deeper, more informative things out of what is relatively a smaller format. And what I mean by that is we also try to make our episodes 30-ish minutes. We sometimes wax poetic. Most of our episodes, I think, end up around 40 minutes or so, but it's an incredibly weird balance of people on one hand can take one very, very small piece of what is happening in an episode and make assumptions about the rest of the content or ignore the rest of the content based on that. Or on the other hand, we've also had some criticisms of we don't go deep enough and 30 minutes when it's two or three or four voices, depending on how many people that we have on a particular episode that goes by very, very fast. Well, and, and when, especially the one that said we didn't go deep enough, I mean, we did respond with like two or three more episodes to discuss the nuance of what was, was being asked for. I I think to me, the, the thing that, makes sense. And I want to take full ownership of this because oftentimes I'm the one that's titling the episode. And and sometimes we're, we're framing the episode in a particular way because we think that's what's most compelling. And that seems to be another thing that folks will anchor on. And if I've 
titled without thought, you know, to a specific element or it's been framed in a certain way, I think folks have difficulty looking at the whole piece. And so I wanted to, I want to say <laughs> I have very much been uh, trying to be thoughtful about titles so that people will get a sense of what's actually on the episode. But there's definitely times when people have, have responded to the title only and either decided they did, would not listen to the episode because the title was not one that they liked or um, they frame the whole episode based on that title and their interpretation of the title. And so I'm working on it, folks. I'm trying to to get better. Kurt usually helps, but like sometimes, we're, you know, we, we d divide and conquer, so to speak. He does more editing. I do more of the show notes and episode artwork. And so this is a two to four person, maybe five person little enterprise here. And none of us do this only. Like we all have other stuff going on. And so, and, and, even life stuff like we talked about a couple weeks ago can get in the way of us being able to do stuff. But like we recognize that sometimes something resonates and it's hard to look at the whole piece, but before, uh, before taking too drastic an action, like giving us a really bad review <laughs> or, or blasting us on social, like try to listen to it as a holistic piece if you can. And it does help. And we do respond. You can, email Maggie over at podcast at therapy com with feedback about stuff. And she's not Katie or myself. She, she's a very wonderful part of our team that be, be nice to Maggie, but yes, please uh, be nice to Maggie. But I think it helps to once again, just kind of clarify the things that we do. It's the modern therapist survival guide. We want to encourage and help each of you along your journey and be able to provide some guidance or put some things within perspective or advocate for some things. It's why we've really started moving away from some of the more coachy aspects of yeah. our content. We've done some in the past and part of keeping conversations going is not having the same conversations over and over again. And well, we're hesitant to say we're never going to have a coach on here again or something like that. We do have a back catalog <laughs> with plenty of people to talk to you about how to set up a practice. There are plenty of other podcasts who can have that same conversation over and over again. And that's a great space for them to be in. It's not where our space is. Yeah. Our, our space is about advocacy. It's talking about the things that are affecting our practices. It's being able to provide timely, hey, here's surprise. Here's the No Surprises Act. Yeah. It's, um, it's being able to help channel some of the energy and emphasis of the conversations that we're having to make change. It's being able to take the action steps if you want cheerleaders of here's how you go and set up your office, great. Not us. I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of back catalog stuff that has business building and practice building. And, and I, I am also uh, hesitant to say we won't have a coach on. I think the, the difference that we want to bring to it is that we want to get into the stuff that's not polished. We want the real conversations. We want the stuff that goes into what it's really like to be a therapist now, what it really is to be able to 
work and have a private practice and compete. Or, or work in community mental health and... Well, let me finish my, my, my thought here just really quickly. But like to, to be able to compete when there's disruptors in this space, like BetterHelp and all of the, the tech companies that are coming in and, and dominating the space to work in community mental health and identify a pathway forward to have a sustainable career if that's where you decide to be. I mean, like there's, there's a lot that is in there that's not, here are the five steps on how you market your practice. Now, we certainly have episodes like that, but I think to me, it's more about the reality of the therapist as a person and a, a professional, not this is how you build your practice. So I, I don't think we're going to avoid those topics. It's more that we're not going to have the same conversation over and over again about money mindset and how you avoid burnout and how you start a side hustle. Like we have those episodes, you can go back and look at them, but we're not going to keep having that conversation over and over again. And what we are going to have is here's the updates as they're coming along in the field. Here's amplifying voices from marginalized communities, whether it's therapists, whether it's the systemic barriers that continue to cause mental health problems, whether it's the systemic barriers to having uh, a, an appropriate mental health workforce on both an individual and a you know national and universal level, that at its core, this is a podcast about being able to leave our field in a better place than where it was when we started. And that is going to be an ever-evolving conversation. And we're thankful that you're holding us accountable in this process. We just really want to make sure that we're all on the same page so we can actually take these things and make them into change. I think that's where we finish. <laughs> that's a, a good place to stop. Thanks, Kurt. We talked about a number of our episodes in the show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com as well as all of our back catalog and we did make some references to Patreon, and you can also support us on Buy Me a Coffee. And very awesome thank you to those people who are patrons and coffee buyers. And until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Renoy. Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 